0: Now we're in Proverbs chapter 11, and in verse 9, and uh, just to review, it uh, says, A hip- an hypocrite with his mouth destroys his neighbor, but through, the, through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Now the, the thing that uh, we want to understand is that uh, the, the mouth is a, an instrument that can be used for great destruction. The word neighbor, of course, is the word for associate, rea, and uh, it can be any kind of a friend, any kind of associate, uh, but the wicked, uh, the hypocrite, the the one who is a godless man, a careless man, uh, is able to bring to ruin those individuals with whom he associates. Now, uh, he uses his mouth in the process. We took that word mouth and traced through in several places and discovered that one way that the wicked destroys with his mouth is through flattery. We looked at some verses that related to flattery. Another way is by means of lying. Uh, Another way is by means of forwardness, by twisting things. And then um, we were in the process of just seeing uh, that another way is through violence. In Proverbs chapter 10, and verse 6, it says, Blessing upon the head of the just, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. And then uh, in verse 11 of the same chapter, The mouth of the righteous man is a well of life, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. The wicked uses his mouth. In a violent way—that is, to incite violence—and um, incidentally, mm-hmm. uh, you can imagine uh, all kinds of situations where uh, a person who is a godless person might incite others to violence. You realize that over in Proverbs chapter one, it talks about those that are lying wait uh, for blood, uh, and uh, it says. Uh, my, uh, verse 10, uh, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Don't agree with them. If they say, notice they say it, and notice what they're trying to do. Come with us. Let us lay wait for blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them up alive as Sheol and whole as those that go down to the pit. We shall find all precious substance. We shall fill our houses with spoil. Cast in thy law among us. Let us all have one purse. My son, walk not in the way with them. Refrain thy foot in their path. For their feet run to, the, uh, to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Well, they certainly do that. But it's their mouth that has stirred up and incited the violence. And when you're with people who are inciting others to riot, and this is important uh, To young people, especially to learn this, when you're with people that are inciting others to riot, that are using their mouth and trying to lure people into doing things that are violence, or that do violence to that which is right, then you should learn to run the other way. Have nothing to do with them. Uh, Don't uh, linger with them. Don't agree with them. Uh, Disagree quickly and get out of there as fast as you can, and uh, it's very important to learn that, and I think it's important for all of us to learn it. Uh, The world is is, uh, uh, filled with violence in these days, and there are men that are given to violence. There needs to be a turning away from this kind of concept. Psalm 73 and verse 6, it says concerning the the evil men with whom the psalmist is is uh, having problem, it says, therefore pride compassed them about like a chain. And violence covereth them, like a dark, like like a garment. They're dressed with a whole uh, concept and spirit of violence. Now, there's another way, the way of enticement. Uh, the the uh, same thing that we saw in uh, chapter one concerning the, uh, the 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 men that are trying to cause violence. They also are trying to entice to sin. Uh, The world has a way of using words. Uh, Godless men use words to lure others into sin. Satan used words to lure Eve into sin. Try it. You'll like it. It's good for you. Don't believe God. God says it's bad for you. I say it's good for you. And uh, Eve partook. You see that cartoon in the, in the paper on Sunday, uh, where, the, where the, uh, Adam and Eve were in the garden, and, and Eve says, uh, or Adam says, I sure wish we had something different for a change, and Eve says, here's an apple, try it. And uh, um, uh, sh- the, the guy said, uh, uh, well, is it good? And she said, yes, it's real good. And he said, but what about the side effects? Well, I guess maybe uh, we don't know whether it was an apple. Some people say it must have been an apricot and not an apple. I don't know why, but some people say that. Uh, But uh, it doesn't matter what the fruit was. The point was that God had said, it's not good for you. Satan says, it's good for you. And she saw that it was good for food. She listened to, to Satan's enticement. In chapter 16 of Proverbs, chapter 16... And verse 29, it says this, A violent man, again now the idea of violence, connection with it. A violent man enticeth his neighbor, and leadeth him into a way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to devise forward things, perverse things. Moving his lips, he brings evil to pass. Isn't that interesting? In that verse or those two verses, you have three of those ways that the godless man uh, brings about uh, uh, wickedness and destruction uh, because he, he shuts his eyes to devise perverse, uh, perverse things. He brings evil to pass and He enticeth his neighbor and leadeth him in a way that is not good. Now when you think of the, the use of the tongue, in terms of uh, of the destruction that come up, that comes about. Um, look at Esther chapter 3 for a moment. The book of Esther. Chapter 3 and verse 18. It uh, can't be 18. Eight. And Haman said, notice he said, unto king... Ahasuerus, there is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom. And their laws are different from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's profit to tolerate them. Now can you imagine now the subtlety of this? Here he's talking about the Jewish people. He does not name them. He just says, you got a problem, king. you got this minority group over here. And they are odd. They're different. Their, their laws are different than any other nation. And uh, they, they uh, uh, just don't fit into the whole scheme of things. And I don't know how you as a king can tolerate such a thing. If it please the king, I'll take care of the problem. Let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay ten thousand talents of silver to the hands of those who have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. And the king took the ring from his hand and gave it to Haman. uh, And uh, the king said unto Haman, The silver is given to thee, and the people also to do with them as it seemeth good to thee. This king was a sucker for Haman him and conned him into seeking to destroy the Jews. And he did it by words. He simply persuaded him. He tricked him and tried to destroy an entire nation. And it says so in verse 12, then were the king's scribes called on the thirteenth day of the first month and there was written according to all that Haman had commanded unto the king's deputies and the governors who were over the province, the princes of every people in every province, according to the writing to every people after their language in the name of king Ahasuerus, uh, was it written and sealed with the king's ring. And the letters were sent by post. Uh, uh, to all the king's provinces to destroy, to kill, to cause to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day, even on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar, and take the property of them for spoil. Uh, his, using his mouth and commanding uh, that they be destroyed. He, God, the godless uses his mouth for destruction. I think in terms of, of Hitler and the uh, radio uh, broadcasts that were picked up, and though we couldn't understand the German language, uh, uh, we, one could certainly imagine what he, the, the hate that he was spewing out from his mouth as a, he, as a godless man, uh, sought to destroy using his mouth. Look at Second Samuel, chapter 16. Second Samuel, chapter 16. Verse 1. When David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, Mephibosheth met him, and with a couple of asses saddled, and upon them... Two hundred loaves of bread and a hundred bunches of raisins and a hundred of summer fruits and the skin of wine. The king said unto Ziba, What meaneth thou by these? And Zeba said, The asses are for the king's household to ride on, and the the bread of uh, the uh, summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine uh, that such are faint in the wilderness may drink. The king said, And where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem. For he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore to me the kingdom of my father. Then said the king to Zeba, Behold, thine are all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. And Zeba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, O Lord, my, uh, my Lord, O King. Now, if you know the story of Zeba, you know how, how he, he, in essence, was a false servant. He, was, he knew that Mephibosheth was a relative of Saul. And he knew that, uh, that David had had his problems with Saul. And he knew that, that um, uh, if he buttered David up, uh, that he might destroy Mephibosheth. And David, if you remember, did the opposite. David, being a godly man, a sensitive man, uh, brought Mephibosheth uh, into his presence and gave him honor instead. But Ziba's idea was to destroy his neighbor. Look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 13. 1 Kings chapter 13. This is one of the real sad stories we have in the Old Testament. It's a story that, that talks about uh, an old prophet in Bethel. <clears throat> Bethel uh, was, was the place that had become the substitute place for the northern kingdom of Israel as far as a place of worship. It's one of two places uh, where... Jeroboam had uh, placed uh, uh, the golden calf image and the worship of Baal and Baalim began. And uh, so uh, God, of course, uh, wanted to rebuke uh, Jeroboam. And uh, Jeroboam uh, uh, stood by the altar. uh, In verse 1, he stood by the altar to burn incense. And the old prophet that dwelt in Israel uh, refused, apparently, or was not sensitive enough to bring a rebuke to Jeroboam because of his wickedness. And uh, so God sent another prophet. And the story in chapter 13 of 1 Kings is the story of how the young prophet was literally destroyed by the old prophet because uh, the old prophet apparently was was jealous of uh, the fact that this young prophet stole his thunder and came out of nowhere and did what the old prophet should have done all along. It was the responsibility of a prophet to speak out against sin. He didn't do that. And I just want to want to read it here for us. Uh, so that we kind of get the picture. Behold, there came a young man of God out of Judah by the word of the Lord unto Bethel. And Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense, and he cried against the altar, the young man did, cried against the altar in the word of the Lord, and said, O altar, altar, thus saith the Lord. Behold, a child shall be born unto the house of David, Josiah by name, and... Upon thee shall he offer the priests of the high priests, high places who burn incense on upon thee, and men's bones shall be burned upon thee. And he gave us, uh, he gave a, a sign the same day, saying, "This is the sign which the Lord had spoken: Behold, the altar shall be torn down, the ashes that are on it shall be poured out." You read on, and you realize that that uh, Jeroboam uh, became paralyzed in judgment, and then. Uh, he was restored. That's uh, verses uh, 4 through uh, um, 7 here. And in verse 7 it says, The king said unto the man of God, Come home with me and refresh thyself, and I will give thee a reward. The king had just had his hand restored. Now he wanted to reward the prophet. Now listen to this. And the man of God said unto the king, If thou wilt give me half thy house, I will not go in with thee. Neither will I eat bread nor drink water in this place. Now, why wouldn't he do that? It tells us, verse 9, For so it was charged me by the word of the Lord, saying, Eat no bread, nor drink water, nor turn again by the same way that thou camest. So he went another way, and returned not by the way that he came to Bethel. By the way, let me say to you that that the resolve of the young man was very noble. He would not disobey God for the king. And here's the subtlety of the thing. This is a tremendous passage, by the way, and a rebuke to more mature Christians in terms of their dealing with younger Christians. Because whereas uh, this young man would not turn away from the voice of the Lord for the sake of the king, he saw through the king's scheme, he... He uh, went along with what Proverbs says, that that if uh, somebody offers you a meal, uh, when they have a sinful heart, you run the other way. Don't have anything to do with it. But not only that, he had the direct word of the Lord. The Lord says, you go, do your mission, get out of town, and do it now. And so the young man told the king, you can give me half your kingdom, and I wouldn't stop and eat bread. I wouldn't disobey God under any conditions. That's his resolve, you see. But look what happens. Now there dwelt an old prophet in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. The words which he had spoken unto the king, them they told also their father. And their father said unto them, Which way went he? For his sons had seen the way that the man of God went who came from Judah. And he said unto his sons, Saddle me, they asked. So they saddled him the ass and rode on it, and went after the man of God, and found him sitting under an oak. And he said unto him, Art thou the man of God who comest from Judah? And he said, I am. Then he said unto him, Come home with me and eat bread. Now watch. And he said, I may not return with thee, nor go in with thee, neither will I eat bread, nor drink water with thee in this place. He still resolved to do the thing that is the direct word of the Lord. It says in verse 17, For it was said to me by the word of the Lord, Thou shalt eat no bread, nor drink water there, nor turn again to go by the way that thou camest. And he, that is the old prophet, said unto him, I am a prophet also, as thou art. And an angel spoke unto me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back with thee into thine house, that he may eat bread and drink water. But he lied unto him. Imagine that. He says, look, I'm a prophet. I've got seniority here. I got a vision from God too. And my vision said, you are supposed to go home with me. But he lied. A lot of people that are older believers, and they shirk their own duty, and the young believer comes along with all kinds of of, uh, excitement and enthusiasm, and they've always got a discouraging word for them. They've always got some uh, way of, of luring them into the same complacency that they themselves have found. It's a tragic story. Listen to what happened. came to pass, as they sat at the table, that the word of the Lord came unto the prophet who brought him back. And he cried unto the man of God who came from Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, for as much as thou hast disobeyed the mouth of the Lord, and hast not kept the commandment which the Lord thy God commanded thee, but camest back, and hath eaten bread, and drunk water in this place of which the Lord did say to thee, Eat no bread, and drink no water. Thy carcass shall not come unto the sepulchre of thy fathers. And it came to pass, after he had eaten bread, and after he had drunk, that he saddled for him the ass, that is, for the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he was gone, a lion met him by the way, and slew him. And his carcass was cast in the way, and the ass stood by it. The lion also stood by the carcass. The guy went out, and he was killed by a lion. It was the judgment of God, because he had disobeyed God and this old prophet. Well, it says, Behold, men passed by and saw the carcass cast in the way, and the lion standing by the carcass. They came and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. And when the prophet who brought him back from the way heard of it, he said, It is the man of God who is disobedient unto the word of the Lord. Therefore the Lord hath delivered him unto the lion which hath torn him and slain him, according to the word of the Lord which he spoke unto him. And he spoke to his son, saying, Saddle me the ass. And they saddled the ass. And he went and found his carcass cast in the way, and the ass and the lion standing by the carcass. The lion had not eaten the carcass nor torn the ass. And the prophet took up the carcass of the man of God and laid it upon the ass and brought it back. And the old prophet came to the city to mourn and to bury him. And he laid his carcass in his own grave, and they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother! It came to pass after he buried him. They spoke unto his sons, saying, When I am dead, then bury me in the sepulcher in which the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. For the saying which he cried by the word of the Lord against the altar in Bethel and against all the houses of the high places which are the cities of Samaria shall surely come to pass. It's, It's small reward to this prophet who was killed in the judgment of God for the old prophet to mourn him and bury him and say, when I die, sons, you bury me by this guy. Because it's too late, that's why. He used his mouth to destroy another, just another subtle way, by claiming to know the will of God superior to what had been the revealed will of God and the revealed word of God. We live in a day of tragic compromise today, just like Jeroboam's day, where people compromise, as the Scripture says, they will compromise for a piece of bread. And a person has a resolve to do the will of God, the revealed will of God according to the Word of God, and there are all kinds of detractors out there that say, Don't obey that. I have a superior revelation. I know better. I've been around a lot longer than you. Do what I tell you. Believe what I tell you. Don't pay any attention to the the Word of God. You can't take everything in the Bible literally. A tremendous stumbling block. And when an individual deliberately disobeys what he knows to be the will of God, he suffers consequences. And don't ask me about the equality of it all. Somehow in God's justice and God's mercy and love, God evens the score. No question about that at all. But the old prophet who caused the young man to stumble has uh, gotten away with it for all practical purposes, except for the fact that his heart became broken when he realized how he'd stumbled this man. Do you you realize that the Lord Jesus said, anyone who stumbles one of these little ones, it's better for him that a millstone be hanged about his neck, and he be drowned in the depths of the sea. You be sure that you know the way that you should be going, because you will lead others with you by your mouth. Such is the godless man's mouth, a small member, James said, but set on fire of hell. The tongue can be used that way. You see him in the church. Matthew 7:15 speaks of him as being a wolf in sheep's clothing. Acts chapter 20 speaks of such devouring the flock. Second Peter, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, using false words, it says, concerning the false prophet and the apostate there. And he's an apostle of Satan, 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 and 13. In Matthew 24, 24, In the last days false Christ shall arise. They're on every hand. Beware of them. entice they use violence and forwardness and lying and uh, flattery in order to lead us astray all right now in contrast to that though we have uh, the righteous man or the the contrasting man here and uh, it says that the hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor, but through knowledge shall the just be delivered through knowledge. the The direct opposite in the parallelism here is that the 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 hypocrite, the godless man, the careless man, uh, uses his his enticing, uh, speech to try to lure people into sin that will bring about destruction. He tries to bring about the destruction of others uh, by the use of his tongue. But there is one who has knowledge. And again, in that story, in 1 Kings chapter 13, the, the man who, who uh, a young man of God who came and prophesied, he had knowledge. He did not act upon that knowledge. And uh, therefore, he was destroyed. But you always have that choice. Um, when when the, the godless man begins to try to lure you, uh, there are principles that you can find that will steer you aright. There's always somebody that wants to compromise those principles. So beware of it. And don't allow it to happen. Use the insight that God gives you. Now, the word knowledge is the word deos, which we have seen before, and one of the words for wisdom. From the root yada, which means actually a developed awareness by insight. It actually uh, root is used 944 times in the Old Testament. Very popular word. And primarily, it's speaking of knowledge that is gained by the senses. And uh, the noun, deoth, is used 93 times, 41 of which are in the book of Proverbs. Almost half of them in the book of Proverbs. Now, you discover a number of things about this developed awareness that comes by, by insight. You discover, first of all, that it's possessed by God. You look at Job chapter 10, Job chapter 10, and look at verse 7. It says this, Thou knowest that I am not wicked? I apparently have the wrong one there. Um... Well, let's try another one. Uh, Psalm 139, in verse 6. Psalm 139. In verse 6. Here's the word translated again, knowledge. Such knowledge is too wonderful or too awesome for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. I cannot compute it, literally. Good word. Cannot compute it. Such knowledge is too awesome. God's knowledge is beyond our knowledge. He understands our thoughts afar off, and He compasses our path and our laying down. There's not a word in the tongue, but what the Lord knows it all together. Such insight is too wonderful for me. You look at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 20. It talks about the Lord and his creative power, and it says, by his knowledge, there's the same word, by his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down as the dew. The marvelous cycles of nature really come because God possesses this tremendous ability to Uh, to to have insight into what is right. And not only that, but uh, there is no... If you uh, looked again at Psalm 139, uh, and that whole... uh, the first 18 verses of that psalm, you discover that David says uh, repeatedly, not only is uh, such knowledge is too wonderful for me, uh, but uh, uh, there is no... There is no knowledge that is hidden from God. Uh, God has an insight into every single detail of life because he is the, uh, the omniscient God. He knows all things. But if you look at Psalm 94 and verse 10, you see that God is the one who teaches this insight to man. Psalm 94 and verse 10 he who chasteneth the nations shall not he correct? He who teacheth man knowledge shall he not know? The Lord knoweth the thoughts of man that they are vanity. God possesses this in this case, yada, and uh, he teacheth man day off. He teaches the day off, and he teaches man. Uh, that uh, he his thoughts are empty, but God uh, understands and sees uh, the insights that are necessary to understand life. Psalm 119 and verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. That prayer of the psalmist. Teach me good judgment and, and uh, day off, for I have believed thy commandments. It's God who teaches this to man. If you look at Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 6, you see wisdom speaking out and crying. And in verse uh, 6 of chapter 2, it says, For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth cometh knowledge, day off, and understanding. So God's the one that teaches this to man. You realize too that it's the opposite of folly. You see it contrasted with folly much more than anything else. Proverbs 12 and verse 23 says, A prudent man concealeth knowledge or lays up the knowledge, but the heart of fools proclaim foolishness. The direct opposite here, the prudent man, the discerning man, uh, uh, stores up or hides up the knowledge. The day off, that developed awareness by insight, but the heart of the fools proclaims foolishness. Chapter 13, in verse 16, Every prudent man dealeth with knowledge. It's a part of his kit, if you please. He dealeth with knowledge, but a fool layeth open his folly. Direct contrast. Proverbs 14, in verse 18, the simple inherit folly, but the prudent are crowned with deoth. They are crowned with knowledge. Chapter 15 and verse 2. The tongue of the wise uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools pour out foolishness. So repeatedly you have it set in contrast to the idea of folly, the idea of foolishness, the idea of the fool. And the key to having this developed awareness by insight is the knowledge of God. Proverbs chapter 2 and verse 5, it says this, Then, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God, the dayoth of God. Well, you have to, in order to do that, you have to incline. You have to receive His words. You have to lay up His commandments. Incline your ear to His wisdom. Apply your heart to understanding. Cry after knowledge. Lift up your voice for understanding. Seek it as silver and search for it as you would for hid treasure. Then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the developed awareness by insight of God. Look at the Book of Hosea for a minute. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah. Hosea chapter uh, 4. Look at verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel, for the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. Because there's no truth, nor mercy, nor knowledge of God in the land. No day off. There's no developed awareness of God by insight uh, in the land. Look at verse 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Remember, it's the hypocrite that destroys by his mouth. My people are destroyed because they lack knowledge. They have not developed that awareness by insight. They have followed other ways. They've followed other things. They've been a sucker for this enticement that comes along simply because they have not developed this awareness of God. And it says here's the reason they had a lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I also will reject thee; that thou shalt be no there shall thou shalt be no priest to me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget thy children. Hosea chapter six and verse six: For I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge the day of God more than burnt offerings. Tell you, we need to have that knowledge of God if we're to have insight. Remember, God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. As the heaven is higher than the earth, so are his thoughts higher than our thoughts, and his ways higher than our ways. And we have to realize that you can have the best education in the world. You can have a whole fistful of degrees. But if you do not know the God who has the real insight, if you do not walk with Him and listen to His voice and obey and heed His word, then you will, will lack understanding always. You cannot understand the things of God. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. You know, I, 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 I'm so saddened sometimes by the attitude even of Christian people in regard to education, if you have to take a choice between education and getting to know God, people will choose education almost every time. Why? Because they're listening to the godless voices that say that that's the most important thing in life. Now I believe, frankly, that you can get a good education, get to know God too. But if it has to be a choice between the two, I recall a, a mother a number of years ago that sent her son to a college that had a reputation for breaking the faith of others because it was such a good school. You get such a good education. They got, the kid got one of the best educations you could imagine, but he was educated beyond his intelligence because he forgot God in the process. If that's the price you have to pay, if that's the trade-off, for goodness sakes, it's better to be ignorant by the world standards and have some insight as far as God is concerned. Better make that choice. Better decide what's best. I think again of my good friend and such a neat guy, Johnny Kramer, who when I went to Prairie Bible Institute, wanted Johnny to go along and his mother said, no, you know, if, we, if he stays home, the draft, uh, uh, the draft uh, will be getting him in a few years anyway, and uh, we won't have him very long, and so uh, we want to have him as long as we can. He went to Washington State University instead and washed out. He washed out morally. He washed out spiritually. The guy was alive spiritually and a desire to serve the Lord in every possible way. And the tragic, tragic thing was that the family could well afford to send him to any place they wanted to. And uh, they chose to, to have him go to that particular school for, because they thought he'd get a good education. That's all they were thinking about. You know, the interesting thing about that family is that not only did Johnny wipe out and never did get back on track, but the family wiped out. The entire family. And uh, the last I heard of the family, a father who had gone bankrupt. Uh, the the family was in shambles. And uh, the whole bunch of them washed out. Why? Because they, they decided there were other things that were more important than the knowledge of God. Clearly, it's a mistake. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 22, Jeremiah 22, in verse 15, it says, "Shalt thou reign, because thou closest thyself in cedar? Did not thy fathers eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? And then I w- then it was well with th- With him, he judged the cause of the poor and needy." Then it was well with him. Was not this to know me, saith the Lord? Your fathers had a goal in mind. They had food on their table. They had the provision of God. But their goal was to know me. You have left that element out. You've taken the material benefit that came from the knowledge of God and you have filled yourself to the full with the material benefits, saying, Oh, the blessing of God is on me, but you have omitted the thing that brought the blessing. And as a result, he says in verse 17, But thine eyes and thine heart are not but for thy covetousness and for shedding innocent blood and for oppression and for violence. Therefore thus saith the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, the king of Judah, They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, my brother, or ah, sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, Lord, or ah, his glory. He shall be buried with the burial of an ass, drawn and cast forth beyond the gates of Jerusalem. Here Josiah was a godly man, and because of the godliness, there was prosperity that came to the land. And the people then, and the king that succeeded Josiah, his son, Uh, decided he liked the materialism, he didn't like that, which brought the blessing. So he left God out. And then the process came to a bad end. I go back again to the, the concept of the three chairs that we set up before you a few years ago. And the idea that when a person walks with God, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. When a person walks with God, ultimately and often there is material blessing. Material blessing comes as a natural consequence to people that walk with God, maybe not immediately. And there are sometimes people that lay aside the material things, but I I look at my own folks as an example and we were poor as church mice all our growing up years. And we always lived hand to mouth, God's hand to our mouth. And God supplied our need. And we never had much in the way of material things. We always had enough. But in the latter years, my father and mother have been blessed with good health, by and large, even though they're getting a little feeble now. And, and uh, they've been blessed with, with uh, 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 enough money to do practically anything they've wanted to do. God has blessed them. Don't ask me to figure it out. I always thought about that. You know, uh, uh, my my grandfather was uh, uh, a speculator. He speculated himself into bankruptcy. Just about. You know, he he bought every little gold mine. You know, stock in this gold mine and that gold mine and everything. And when when he died, he left Grandma a great big pile of paper like this. You know, and all of it worthless totally worthless except one little piece of paper that the family didn't even know had any value at all and one day they get this letter from the oil company and the oil company tells them that uh, uh, they're going to begin to receive dividends off this well that grandpa had bought a piece of and uh, he and grandma didn't enjoy it and grandpa didn't enjoy it and uh, he probably Paid his last dollar to get that piece of oil stock. And uh, they they divided it up, the five members of the family. And mom was getting just a piddling little amount that was just kind of helpful. I don't know, $20 a month or something like that that was coming in dur- during during uh, the, the last years that I was at home. And it was just kind of nice. You know, mom and dad go out, out to dinner once a month. Uh, or a couple times, probably four times a month in those days, uh, uh, on that little money that came in, you know. And it, nobody ever thought too much of it. But then, then uh, one of my my mom's brothers died and left all of his all of uh, all that he had to his daughter, except this piece of oil stock. He says, "Margaret's the only one that understands this, and so give it to her." So she, he got she got double then. All right. And then all of a sudden. You don't talk to my mom about the oil crisis and the price of oil. You you know, that's one of those things. Leave that well enough alone because uh, it has been how sweet it is, you know. (laughs) Because here in their latter years, God has turned that little piece, those two little pieces of paper now into a, a regular extra little income that comes in. And believe me, you know, it went from a little bit to a little bit more. And uh, you know what happened to oil prices at the pump. Same thing happened to uh, a little old gal in Yakima, Washington, who now gets a pretty good chunk goes out and buys a microwave oven if she wants a microwave oven. And they flew to South America to see my sister when she was there as a missionary and able to fly to Germany. You see, God bless them materially, all right? beautiful thing about it is that we don't have to worry about it because it's just about ready to roll out. I figure it'll, it'll quit just about the time they go home to be with the Lord. The Lord has that timed out too because, because it's getting used up awful fast, the old depletion idea, you see. But nevertheless, the beautiful thing is God has cared for them. You know, the next generation, and that's my generation, there is a tremendous danger that receiving the spillover of the material blessing that I'll that I'll get my focus on the material blessings and not on God. They were blessed because they were godly. And if they cease to be godly if if the next generation ceases to be godly, then the result will be a loss. And I think that we need to recognize this. We need to teach this to our children. It comes as a package. It's a problem with our nation right now rest of the nation, they've enjoyed the material benefits that really are, are a continued spillover of a few godly people. What, you, you want to know why God tolerates this country? One of the reasons is because in spite of the fact it's the minority doing it, the United States has, has, has been the greatest missionary-sending country in all of history. There has never been a country that has done so much for world evangelism as the United States of America. And it is only a small percentage of the people, but God has uh, has laid his hand upon this country and and given a a vision to a small small remnant of people in this land. And as a result, uh, there has been a preservation of the nation, at least temporarily. And as that percentage drops, and if the nation, if we as Christians ever lose our zeal for foreign missions, I cannot see another reason why God should tolerate us any longer. As far as I can see today, that is really the only remaining impediment to the final judgment of God. And the death knell of any church is when they lose their heart for mission. Just a fact. I'll tell you this. We had better look out because that could be the last straw if we ever come to that place as a nation. Material things. The blessing of God. Yet Josiah had received the blessing of God and Jehoiakim had taken the blessing of God without God. You leave God out and everything else crumbles. He is the foundation. In any event, the idea is the the idea of insight that comes from a knowledge of God. Now, it is through knowledge that the just, and here we have Sadiq, correct according to a standard. Knox translates it this way, false speech the hypocrite will use to destroy his neighbor. True knowledge is the saving of the righteous. The just man, the righteous man, the man who orders his life according to God's standard, he will be delivered through knowledge. Now the word delivered is the word kalats. Kalats. It means to pluck out. It means to take off. It means to withdraw. It means to rescue out of something. If you look back at uh, your notes on verse 8 where it says the righteous are delivered out of trouble. You'll see uh, that we did quite a study on that particular word and the idea of kalats and being delivered. Uh, just the the whole picture that uh, that was given to us. That was given to us there. Just take a quick uh, review of it. The idea of uh, of blessing coming as a result of deliverance and. Uh, drawing off and loosening, uh, loosening one from trouble, and so on. Uh, we we spent considerable amount of time just developing that idea. The Jerusalem Bible translates "delivered," are safeguarded. The uh, um, another translation says, "Through their knowledge, the just make their escape." That's the New American Bible, and uh, the way they do that. Is given to us in, I, in a passage just like Isaiah chapter seven, where in verse fifteen it says, uh, "Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good." How are the how are the just delivered through knowledge? Here it is butter and honey shall he eat that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good for before the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good the land that of shall be forsaken by both her kings now this is a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ and it says that the characteristic of Christ when he came when he would come and it's a prophecy concerning him when the virgin would conceive and bring forth a son then the child would have uh, uh, the provision necessary so that he would know to refuse the evil and choose the good. He would have the right taste. Talk about somebody having good taste. Christ had good taste. He knew what was good and what was bad. You realize the same idea is over in Hebrews chapter 5 uh, and verse 14. Hebrews five fourteen, it talks there about... Those that are of full age, uh, those that, that uh, are, are discerning and, and uh, walking with the Lord, uh, they uh, will be able to, their solid food belongs to them, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. When an individual walks with God and knows God and knows His Word and walks in righteousness, that individual will have, have insight, but the insight will extend not only to an insight into the heart of God and the character of God, but an insight into the, the good and the evil and being able to refuse the wrong, the, the wrong thing and being able to receive the right thing and make clear choices. Young people today don't even know how to discern one from the other, unfortunately. We've got to teach them. We've got to train them to know the good from the evil, to be able to discern. I don't know how he got it because we're not really told. Uh, We're we're given a little insight into the spiritual growth in the life of of Jacob as he begins to build altars and so on. But uh, we don't know how Joseph got the stalwart faith that he had. But I'll tell you, somewhere along the line, he learned what it was to do right. And in Genesis 39, uh, it says that the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. uh, And the master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Just another example of God bringing blessing to those around, even the ungodly people, around a godly man. And, of course, he was set over all the house. And then it says that he was well favored. He was handsome. And uh, the uh, wife of Potiphar tries to lure him into sin. Again, the mouth of the godless trying to lure him. But it says in verse 8, But he refused. He utterly refused. Literally, the word means he utterly refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, my master knoweth not what is with me in the, in the house and he hath committed all that he hath into my hand there is none greater in his house than I neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife how then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God now how did he know that was so terrible how did he know that was so wrong because he had the wisdom of God he had the the, the day the insight into good and evil, he knew what was right and what was wrong. When others are suffering are, are subversive and, and undermining true values, the best defense that you can have is knowledge, knowledge at first hand, so that you can bypass all of the distortions and everything else. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. you know? You, you think of this: if you had a man tell you that God doesn't love you, God doesn't love the world, you could answer them, couldn't you? Because you know John 3:16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. You've got proof that God loves loves you. You've got proof that God loves the world. Clear proof. But you see, if that's all you know, it's not enough you've got to know more and more and more you, the whole life spent in learning more about this one that is provided so abundantly for us we've got to know him and we've got to know his word we've got to have a developed knowledge otherwise we would have we'll have all kinds of temptation will come to our way that's why it says in second peter one five that we are to add to our faith knowledge and to knowledge all of these other things, moral excellence and so on. In uh, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go, keep her, for she is thy life. Whatever you do, take hold of wisdom. Uh, One writer said, By the light and direction of the Holy Spirit and by a lively knowledge of God's Word, gives to faithful men all the wisdom he needs for his preservation. you find a good many things that are talked about in Scripture in this regard. Going by feelings and imaginations expose us to an unsteady testimony. Don't fall prey to all of this. Rather, have the knowledge of God. Don't listen to the hypocrite. Listen to what God has for you. Well, have a a good Christmas time, and um, we'll be back uh, January 13th with bells on, okay? Ready to go and anxious to uh, share even more from God's Word in these days. Let's pray together. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for the provision that is so abundant in Jesus Christ our Lord and the storehouse of deoth insight knowledge that you've given us in your word help us to understand all the nuances of that word so that we will be able to discern both good and evil grant to us, father even the ability today to see through the lures that are in every hand by satanic uh, temptation and help us father and not to, not to be discouraged in these days as we see the deterioration of so many things. Rather realize that all of this is in your hands. Help us to be faithful, no matter what the economic or uh, political situations that we may have in this land of ours. Help us, Lord, to, to appreciate the freedom we have to proclaim your word And we regard it with care, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.